0: Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is August 24th, 2023. Got it. We waste no time in tell- telling you the title of tonight's message is The Anointed Man. Yeah. The Anointed Man. We are currently still being blessed by the timely word our pastors preached on Sunday. For sure. This evening, it is our hope that in reflecting on what was preached we might all accurately represent him on earth in our everyday lives. So we're gonna jump right into it. Y'all ready? Yes. First Samuel 10. And we're gonna pick up in verse 26. Say the anointed man as you're turning there. Verse 26. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some troublemakers said, how can this fellow save us? Uh They despised him and brought him no gifts, but Saul kept silent. Uh All right. Some context. Saul is the anointed king of God uh, over Israel by God. He is a man of God chosen to be the leader of God's people. He is the very first king over Israel. He's received specific instructions He's received commands from Samuel on what the next steps are for him as the king of God's people. At this point, God is with Saul. Can we say amen? Amen. He's touched the hearts of valiant men to gather around and stand with Saul. Troublemakers, sons of Belial, or sons of wickedness are also in the camp. These men despise Saul But in actuality, they were despising God. Saul kept silent. He kept his peace. Some might say, he just played dumb. Why are we starting here tonight? When we talk about anointed men of God, is King Saul the first man that comes to your mind? No. No, but he's one of the best examples of what it looks like for a man to be called out and anointed by God in front of a whole community of people. So... Early on, in Saul's rule, he showed signs of cowardice. He was unwilling to say no to what God says no to out of fear. Right away, how can I relate? (laughs) Men, husbands, have you ever been challenged by your wife when you're making a decision? Have you ever had your wife or children question your authority? Maybe not even directly at times, But you know it's opposing what God is leading you into. This is where Saul was, and this is where we often find ourselves. We find ourselves being challenged, the authority and the anointing on our life being challenged, whether our our wives or our children recognize it or not. We find ourselves being challenged, and we, as anointed men, are called to respond in a certain way. I can tell you right now, Saul's balanced mind, his double-mindedness, Was uh, an error for him, and it's an error for me that the Lord is working out. When God gives you everything you need to be successful, but out of fear of man, you deviate from the truth of your authority as an anointed man of God, you are displeasing to the Lord. Saints, Saul was given everything that he needed. He was anointed as the king, he was affirmed as the king, he was given instructions, he wasn't just left out to dry valiant men gathered around him, but there was still something there that needed to be dealt with immediately in his kingship that had he dealt with it rightly, things might have turned out differently. When it comes down to it, the troublemakers in my life are my own lying thoughts that try to convince me that I'm unable to overcome, that I'm unable to lead my wife, that I'm unable to lead my children. These are the sons of wickedness, the the troublemakers in my life. There's an immediate and subtle deviation from the actual truth of God's word when we choose to stay silent about what God wants us to take action on. Yeah. Let's see how this progresses in Saul's life in First Samuel 13, picking up in verse 12.
1: All right, First Samuel 13:12 says, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord that God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. So so guys, we know the context of this scripture. We know that Saul is offering up burnt offerings, and it wasn't even his to do before the appointed time. Saul is all wrong. All wrong in this scenario. He begins in his rebuttal to Samuel with the simple phrase, I thought. I thought. Not, not God transformed me and I was thinking these things, but I felt this and I thought this. Then he says he felt compelled to act. And he felt compelled to act because of an unchecked thought. He moved upon himself. Then, after Saul's thought, he questioned if God was actually with him. Saul deviates from the truth by believing, I haven't sought out the Lord's favor. But let me ask you a question, saints. Didn't Saul already have the Lord's favor? It was evident. But his own thoughts deviated from what God called him to do. Look, the thought now becomes actions out of idolatry, out of self out of fear of man, and it keeps cascading. Saul has taken matters into his own hands and now feels compelled to offer the offering. You can just imagine Saul saying, I was obligated to do this, Samuel. Have you ever said, I'm just obligated. I have to get this done. What was I supposed to do? Saul was supposed to do what Samuel told him to do. God had not failed Saul. God favored him. And yet, he felt obligated and pressured to do something that was clearly wrong. The fear of the Lord was already upon him. You know, 1 Samuel 10.1 says, This will be your sign that the Lord has chosen you, Saul, as leader over his inheritance. It was clear the favor of the Lord was on him. So put yourself in Saul's sandals right now. Because... None of us are any better than Saul. God told me to do something, but instead, let me pray about this and search the word for direction. Because I'm actually fearful. I know the word clearly says to turn from evil, do good, seek peace, pursue it. But I feel compelled to keep the peace. After all, I've had many things that I've accomplished throughout the day in my own eyes. So I will act because I must do something right now. Look, a little opposition in our lives can cause a profusion of self-directed, carnally driven sacrifices that are not pleasing to God. That's true. Yeah. These are actually conflicting with the truth of God's word in yeah. us every single day. The way Jesus approaches this carnal inclination sheds light on where our hearts and our minds ought to go. Yeah.
2: Come on, let's go to Mark 12 verse 24. See, the problem with Saul is he deviated from the truth. Saul had the truth. He had what God was speaking in front of him, and he deviated from it. Mark 12, verse 24 says, Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? Anytime we are in error, anytime we are acting like Saul, it's because we are either not walking rightly with the scriptures or his ability to empower us to do those scriptures. See, I naturally deviate from his word if left unchecked. If I'm not constantly meditating on his word and refocusing on his divine truth, I naturally deviate. There is a constant force in this earth always pushing against us, trying to get us to conform to the ways of this world. The word is the thing that sets us free. Amen. We're talking about what it is to be a man, what it is to be an anointed man. Yeah. It's a man who lives by the word.
1: Yeah.
2: What Something that killed me on Sunday at Deuteronomy 32 yes. is the fact that we can make idols of who God is wow. by only uh, focusing on one or two aspects of, of who he is. We make idols and call it scriptural or godly. Just like Saul. He said, I feel obligated to do what? To make a sacrifice. I felt obligated to do something godly because this is a part of who God is. But obedience is better than sacrifice. See, when I try to find a balance in my life, it means I never actually find the truth. Uh, that God wants me to walk in. Yeah. Can I give you some examples of deviation in my life yeah. when I am in error because I don't walk in the scriptures or the power of God? Yes. First off, I realize that I posture my progress. I say, you know, what have you been getting out of the word? Or someone asked me, What have you been getting out of the word? And man, I'm really working on this thing, this one scripture. And because I talk about it, I accredit myself of having reached the end goal before I actually get there. I recognize the scripture. I recognize that the scripture says it's true, and it is. But I'm deviating from the power of God to actually walk it out. The next one. When I am deviating from the scriptures and the power of God, I realize that I focus way too much on the freedom to relax. Relax. I've worked really, really, really hard. And I'm very proud of myself. And I deserve some time to, you know, just decompress. To hang out, to do absolutely nothing. To get ready for the next thing that I have to do. Am I the only one? That never actually refreshes me. I I always think it will. But it never actually does. I just end up feeling guilty because I did not interact with the power of God and the word of God. I'm like, that was a waste of time. And then... And then I forget the next time that I do it.
1: (laughs) Also, this need for self-relaxation is a never-ending pit. It just continues to fall because you're not dealing with
2: the root of what's the problem. Next one is justifying what I want with a scripture that I can make fit. (laughs) And then ignoring what any of my brothers say. Because it's true. It's true. The Word does say this, and I know I'm right. Been there. Whether it's direct confrontation with a brother saying, hey, I don't think you should do that, or more so brothers just sharing their opinions about the Scripture, and you ignore it because you favor one part of God's character rather than the other, and you don't consider the whole, the fullness of who God is. This is something that I realize is a deviation from God's actual standard. See, together we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. The last one tribal knowledge in directing my household without actually having God breathe on the decisions that I'm making. This is what it looks like when I'm not either considering the scriptures or the power of God. I'll make a decision because I can justify it, like we read before, but it's not actually what God wants to do. Most of the time, it's because it's comfortable, it's easier. But we all know that if your sacrifice is easy, then it's probably not the right kind of sacrifice. Yeah, Proverbs 14, verse 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man. Yeah. It sure does seem that way. Yeah. But in the end, it leads to death. Yeah, Before we move on, something that I was thinking about uh, came out of Luke 18. We're not going to go there. Jesus was speaking to those who are confident in their own righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a Pharisee, and you have a tax collector. And the Pharisee is walking up, and he says, God, I thank you that I am not like those guys over there, like this guy right here. Lord, I thank you that I can value the things that, uh, that I see in your character. He's justifying himself, and he is accrediting himself with godliness, and he only picks the things that he's really good at. There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, he actually goes home unjustified before the Lord. When we make idols of who God is, of what God wants to do in our lives, we end up not really being justified in the way that we should, not walking in the freedom and the power that we should. But the tax collector, he had a different approach. He said, Lord, show me. He said, Lord, I am a sinner. The problem is with me, not everyone else, and not with you. So as we go to 1 Samuel 13, verse 13, let's take a second to consider the areas in our lives where we are in error because we do not know the scriptures or the power of God. We're not dying it in the moment. Amen.
0: Amen. What my brother's saying is there's consequences when we deviate from the word of God. There's consequences when we deviate from the word of God and being empowered by his spirit. First Samuel 13 and verse 13 says, Then Samuel said to Saul, You have made a foolish choice. You have not obeyed the commandment that the Lord your God gave you. Had you done that, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom will not continue. First of all, let's say that Samuel's response should be all of our responses in an instance like this. You have made a foolish choice. Second of all, God's ways are always just and true. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are familiar with New Counseling, yes? yes? For those of you who are not, it's this simple. What did you do? What does the word say? And what are you going to do now? Can I tell you that this church needs a revival of that foundational teaching? Come on. I can tell you right now, my home needs it. Yeah. And so I know it, it's needed in this house. What did you do? What does the word say, and what are you going to do about it now? I tell you, an anointed man takes a stand on what God's word says. Our choices have consequences. When we deviate from the word of truth, there are consequences, small and great alike. No matter how, how little it is that we've moved away from it or how great it is, there's going to be consequences. And remember, we're talking about anointed men ...that rightly reflect the Father. When we misrepresent Him, there are consequences for our actions. However you choose to dig into this passage, you cannot escape the fact... ...that the Lord would have established Saul's kingdom over Israel had he obeyed God's word. But on top of his disobedience, we know that Saul is actually building a track record... ...of operating out of fear and sidestepping true repentance... That would give glory to God. I tell you, that has been me this week. Rather than giving glory to God, I double down on my disobedience. When I know that I've done something wrong, I try to twist scripture and try to make it something else. I try to say, like the pastor said on Sunday, tomorrow I'll get this right. Saints, it doesn't get right tomorrow, it gets right tonight. Where Saul's life goes from here should be a terrifying reminder for our very souls. It is. Our point here is that God's judgments are always true and they are always just. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 12 to hear from the wisest man to ever walk this earth besides Yeshua.
1: Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Having heard everything, I have reached this conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments because this is the whole duty of a man. For God will evaluate every deed including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Saints, the duty of all mankind is to fear God and to keep his commands. How much more all of us in here who are anointed men of God, how much more should we put this into practice? When we deviate from the truth of God's word long enough, we're only storing up a fearful judgment and wrath upon ourselves. Every deed, Every deed, including every secret thing, whether good or bad, it will be judged by God. So if we don't have your attention yet, this next scripture is surely enlightening.
2: Let's go to 2 Peter 3.10 in the NET. It says this, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Whenever it comes, the heavens will disappear with a horrific noise with a roar. Wow. Take a second. I, I don't know what that will be like, uh, but it'll be terrifying. No, like it. <laughs> and the celestial bodies will melt away in a blaze. Wow. And, ev- and the earth and every deed done on it will be laid bare. Wow. So this is the passage that me and my wife have been studying this week. We've wow. been studying 2 Peter man. 3, listening to the... Uh, foundations from two weeks ago, and really studying the day of the Lord, contemplating that, what that's going to be like, Uh, and it's been changing our lives. On this day, on the day of the Lord, when the Lord comes back, every deed, every action, the way and manner in which we live will be laid bare. More than that, God is going to wipe out everything that does not line up with the boundary lines that he set. It's a reckoning day. It's a reckoning thousand years, but it's a reckoning day. God is going to set everything in right order. Because that's the kind of man that he is. We will come face to face with the actual character of Jesus on that day. You think about that? We're studying aspects of who God is. And on that day, we will see him in the fullness of who he is. So it causes us, caused my household, to consider a couple things. How do I choose to live in this life? Is it with a life and death seriousness that, uh, that I'd want to be able to present to the Lord that I gave him every part of my day, all my days? <clears throat> Am I walking in the actual character of Christ, meaning what God has revealed to me and what he wants me to do now? Character is everything. If we can have the character of Christ, we know what to do, and we can walk rightly. Amen. Am I living in light of the day of his coming? We get, I get caught up in my day-to-day with everything that I have to do, and it causes me to miss what God actually wants me to do. It causes me to reprioritize um, who I need God to be for me today. Instead of the other way around, of focusing on, Lord, who do I need to be for you? Come on. Do you love your leaders?
0: Yes.
2: Yes. I do. Do you love the outcome of their way of life? I do. Yes. See, they've taken their anointing seriously, and it benefits all of us. Yes. They pour out their lives every day for us because they are living in light of eternity. They've benefited us all. And they want us to be like them because they are acting like the Lord. Let's go to 2 Peter 3, verse 11. So in light of the day of the Lord, since everything will be destroyed in this way, God will set everything in shalom. He will get it right. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be, LCM? You ought to live holy and godly lives, meaning God-like lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. I want to look forward to the day of God because I'm preparing every day to meet him. I want my family to be looking forward to the day of the Lord because we are ready for him. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth and the home of righteousness. So then, my dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. LCM, what kind of people ought we to be? We ought to be a people in shalom, not deviating from the divine standards that God has given us. Husbands, you are empowered to give clear direction like Abraham himself. In your home, you can give God-breathed direction every single day in everything that you do. Wives, you're empowered to submit to your husband's actual desires, to the Lord's actual desires. Single men, you are empowered to actually become like God in his character, like David in his character. In our jobs, we can be empowered to rightly represent him to the world by walking in right shalom, by doing what God says, by doing what our bosses say. That's a good word. Shalom fixes everything. So what kind of people ought we to be, LCM? We ought to be men and women in shalom. This is the kind of people that we are called to be.
1: Amen. Let's turn to Acts 13:22. It's amazing that we have a God that interacts with us and transforms our very character, transforms our desires. He gives us a living hope. We are looking forward to that day. We are living like we ought to live right now in this moment. Verse 22. After removing him, God raised up David, their king. Who was the him? Good. He testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse. To be a man after my own heart. Who will do everything I want him to do. From the descendants of this man, God brought to Israel a savior. Jesus. Just as he promised. You see, God, he sought out a man like David. God is still seeking out men like David. Come on. LCM. We have men in here who have that same heart as David has. A man after God's own heart. Or in other words, a man Who is directed by the word of God. David was raised up by God because his heart was set on doing everything that God wanted him to do. Say everything. Everything. Everything that God wanted him to do with no deviation. David's reward for remaining in shalom with God. Pursuing his heart and being directed by his word. Is that his sons get to participate in bringing salvation to the world. Come on. This is the hope that we have as we join in with David in a wholehearted obedience. We will raise up families that are anointed to bear God's image.
2: Come on. God is looking for a people who are committed to doing his will no matter what. To actually finding his will and then doing his will no matter what. Are you guys that people? Amen. Let's look at Psalm 138 verse 2. Say the anointed man when you get there. The anointed man. The anointed man. The anointed man. man. Verse 2 says, I will bow down towards your holy temple, and I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me, and you made me bold and stout hearted. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And this is also how we are supposed to become the people that we ought to be every single day. See, in a Deuteronomy 6 fashion, we're supposed to exalt his word everywhere we go, as we walk walk along the road, as we get up, as we lie down, and taking every chance to realign ourselves and our family with his word and character. This has been changing my life this week, guys. I realized walking um, and taking a sober assessment of my household that I was not studying the word with my wife nearly like I should. We would talk about it. We would text, but we never sat down together and prayed and sought his word and let him just speak to us. It was always what we've been reading, which is good, but it's missing exalting his name and his word above everything else. When we get home, Instead of watching Netflix or instead of doing nothing and just trying to relax, we're choosing to exalt his name and his word. And can I tell you how fruitful that's been in my household? How much closer me and my wife are? It's something that I wouldn't trade for anything. We have to exalt his name and his word in everything. Search, hunt for areas in your life where you can find a way to exalt his name and his word in what you do. And God will bless it with fruitfulness. Men, if we get this right in our own hearts, then it changes our families. I'm watching it happen. It changes our kids. And from there, it'll change the whole world. It'll change our workplace. Because it gives you confidence. Because as one unit under heaven, you are walking in shalom and you're walking in the way that God has called you to walk in yeah.
1: yes
0: hey, let's turn to John chapter 5 and verse 20 we're going to do this in the NET on Sunday our pastors preached out of John 5 verse 19 yeah. that Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. verse 20 says for the father loves the son and shows him everything he does yeah. And we'll show him greater deeds than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whomever he wishes. Can I tell you right now, that as Jesus set his heart to obey everything that he saw his father doing, the father was right there waiting for him to reveal what he's doing to his son because he loves him. What God is doing in our house right now is that he's revealing his plans to us. You know what that means? You are sons and he loves you. Yeah. God showed Jesus everything that he was doing. And God is showing us these things so that we can walk like Jesus. Come on. Yeah. We can have confidence that will show us everything we need to know every step of the way. Yeah. Saints, I needed to hear this this week. I needed to dig into this passage. I needed to take that word and put it into practice this week. Let me tell you what it taught me. It taught me that I can have confidence as a son of God in every situation in leading my wife and in leading my children. Saints, I know that God didn't anoint me just for me to feel good. He didn't anoint me for that to stay in my own little circle. He anointed me so that I can teach my wife by his word. So I can teach my children by his word. So I can give a good instruction to my brothers by his word. In every decision needed for my family, God is lovingly showing me his plan. And that, that humbled me this week. It humbled me to know that God isn't just sitting up there waiting to see what I'm going to do. He actually is revealing himself. Saints, what I've seen is that God did the same thing for Saul. Why we started there? Because Saul in his flesh, in the, in the carnality of his own heart, Chose to reject God's word, chose to reject what God was revealing to him. And I found more of that inside of my own heart than I'd like to admit. But I'm making a turn on it, saints. Come on. This is the kind of people that we ought to be. Come on. We ought to be a people that seeks the face of the Father because He loves His sons and He's revealing everything that He's doing to us. God will show us everything, and as we do what He has called us to do, He is going to empower us along the way. Hallelujah.
1: Let's turn to Revelation 19, verse 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. So saints, let us rejoice and be glad that our king is returning for a spotless bride. And as we prepare and make ourselves ready for God, he will clothe us and our families. We are anointed with that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead.
2: Come on. Jude 24 says this to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, and power, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Amen. My friends, when you recognize the areas that uh, deviant behavior is present, like in Saul's life, Also remember that it is him who is able to present you to himself without fault and with great joy. On whose part? I'd say both of our parts. The evidence that our families need is for us to have the confidence that he is making us into something new. Let's turn to Titus 2. We'll start in verse 11. Someone say the anointed man when you get there. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Oh, come on. So in Revelation 19, we see that the bride has made herself ready. Yeah. In Titus 2, we say that, see that Jesus is purifying for himself a bride. God is partnering with us so that we can rightly represent him on the earth. Yeah. He has appeared and has given us this grace, L-C-M. It has been given to us. Come on. He is purifying for himself with godly jealousy for himself, a people and a family that is his very own. Let's go to Deuteronomy 33.
0: What is our response? Our response is an eagerness to do what is good. That is our response as the bride of Christ. Knowing that he's redeemed us, knowing that he has washed us with his word, and he's giving us righteous deeds to put on, We should have an eagerness that matches his zealousness to give us those good deeds. Deuteronomy uh, 33, verse 8 says, And of Levi, he said, Give to Levi your Thummim and your Urim, to your godly one, or your godly man, whom you tested at Massa, with whom you quarreled at the waters of Meribah. Saints, Levi was anointed with the Thummim, the perfection of God's word. Levi was anointed with the Urim, the fiery spirit of holiness. And Levi is called God's godly man. He is called by Moses a godly man. Verse 9 says, who said of his father and mother, I regard them not. He disowned his brothers and ignored his children, for they observed your word and kept your covenant. Saints, the men of Levi said no to familial relationships over God's word. They said yes to guarding God's word, and they said yes to preserving the covenant between God and man. Can you see how this is growing? Can you see how this is escalating? Let's look at verse 10. They shall teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law, and they shall put incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. Saints, Levi's anointing was given to him to do and to teach God's word to all Israel, to his entire family. They offered pleasing sacrifices to their God. As you stand up on your feet. Verse 11 says, Bless, O Lord, his substance, and accept the work of his hands, Crush the loins of his adversaries. Of those who hate him. That they rise not again. The work of Levi's hands are blessed and accepted by God. His enemies are completely destroyed. Unable to reproduce. Unable to gain victory over them. Can I tell you saints. The Lord is encouraging us. That he is anointing us like Levi. He's anointing us and elevating us with his word, and with his spirit. He's anointed us to say no to anything outside of his plans and purposes. He has anointed us to guard the word and the covenants. And he has anointed us to do and to teach God's word to our family. What we want to encourage you with tonight is take that anointing and take the sword of God's word to anything That is deviant from the divine standard. We are becoming the priests that we ought to be standing underneath the anointing of God.
1: Saints, we have to stop wavering between two opinions. We have to stop allowing excuses and deviating from what we know is right. What we know the scriptures plainly say, what we know the standard of God, what he's put on our hearts, the way our leaders have led us, shown us the way to live. We have everything at our hands to make everything beautiful right in front of the Lord. Everything that we are. And the thing that we have to do, and it's so easy, is to get rid of the excuses that are getting in the way of what you know the word plainly says we have to let this message actually impact us the convictions that we hold to that we actually have to hold on to them each and every day we have to exalt both his name and his word we must do that each and every day we can't allow ourselves to make, to make excuses any longer we can't allow ourselves just cuz no one may be around in our own home that we can make a certain decision and call it god any longer We cannot do it. Our children are watching us and they will adopt the same attitude. Our wives are watching and they will adopt the same attitude. We have to be men who are walking in that anointing and looking at those that are entrusted to us and saying, I know, Lord, that what you've anointed me to do is to take this and perpetuate this among the nations. Saints, he has empowered you. And he will empower you. And he will continue to empower you. We have to search our hearts and we have to find those areas of deviation.
2: Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that today is the day that we can start reconciling these things in our life. Lord, we are asking that you would deepen our roots. Father, that we would not be tossed back and forth like reeds, mighty God. Lord, but that we would consecrate ourselves. Lord, that you would consecrate us as your priests so that we might not only be men, but be the anointed men that you called us to be. Lord, we want to live in light of eternity. Father, we want to live in the empowerment to actually live out your word and represent your character in ourselves, in our families, and in the world around us. So Lord, as we worship Speak to us. Show us what we need to have cut off in our lives. Jesus, we thank you, and we love you, mighty God. In Jesus' name, amen.